0: They've now shot down, as of this recording, four high-altitude objects over North American airspace. Just what the heck is going on? What's NORAD's involvement? We speak with a retired Major General on how it works with NORAD. And we spoke to a ufologist who says there has been a lot of chatter of late. The Super Bowl was on Sunday night. We had a big sports chat with Bob Irving because Super Bowl, CFL, free agency, Winnipeg Jets back on the ice, and Canadians did great at the Phoenix Open. And a Vancouver man accidentally sold his couch with a stowaway cat. So inspired by this couch-surfing cat, we had a good time talking about the weird places animals turn up. I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, and this is the Monday, February 13th podcast for The Start. It is Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, and you might notice if you're in downtown Winnipeg this morning, uh, smell of smoke. I uh, noticed it half an hour ago. It wasn't there half an hour earlier. It's even infiltrated the the smell is in the lobby of our building here at 201 Portage, and uh, Clay is on his way to check out a fire I think on Victor.
1: Yeah, is that ac- it. According to Pulse Point, it's a structure fire on Victor, just north of Ellis. So uh, several pieces of fire equipment on the scene, and several more on the way. So uh, if you know of a different fire, let us know. If you know what's going on, Victor and Ellis also let us know. Two zero four. 780-6868. That, that seems to be a house fire there, Brett. And so I'm I'm surprised that it would be um, smelling the way it is. But uh, here we are because over the weekend, of course, we had that huge fire on Main Street north of Higgins on the east side that uh, claimed uh, three businesses. And that fire went for almost two full days, Loren. I think it was a third of the total uh number of equipment and firefighters in the city were on scene at one point or another for that fire. And and the smoke, you could smell... Almost all weekend in certain parts of the city.
2: Yeah, that was my initial thought this morning when Brett texted from downstairs to say it reeked like smoke and that you could really smell it. I thought, well, oh, maybe there had been a flare up or that they were moving. Once you start you know, moving things around after a fire scene to take down walls or do any demolition, you sometimes get that wafting of smoke again. And so that was my first thought because that was a huge fire. But we have another one on Victor. And if Clay has any details, we'll get them to you when we can. Already a busy day.
0: I mean, it could be from the, the one on Main Street, because I'm just looking at the wind here. We uh, From the forks, they're measuring it out of the southwest at one kilometer an hour. And at the airport, it's north three kilometers an hour. So to carry smoke from the West End to downtown like that, um, I don't know. I mean, who knows where it's coming from, but I just know that it is, uh, depending where you are downtown, it's quite potent. So we'll heads up for that, uh, especially uh, if you have any breathing issues or anything like mm-hmm. that. Uh, maybe bring some antihistamines or something like that. Uh, So we'll keep an eye on that. And Clay Young is on his way, to to have a look at what is happening there. Also today, we have much to discuss on balloons, unidentified flying objects being shot out of the sky. What are we up to, four now that they've taken out?
2: No, uh, four, you're correct. I say no because this came across my – I have a data miner thing that pulls, like, all different alerts from across – the continent for different things. And yesterday afternoon, this came across that another object had been spotted over Lake Huron on both the Michigan side and and Ontario side of the border. And then I I thought, what didn't we just do this Saturday with an object over Yukon and a couple days prior to that. And then of course it had us all asking what is going on. And it sort of feels a bit of a scene out of a movie uh, because there's no answers to what these are. Besides that very first one back in early February from a couple weeks ago, which was connected to China, we don't know what these latest three are, Brett. And so uh, it had even people, Greg, asking about aliens.
1: It, uh, ex- is Ooh. this tied to extraterrestrial like activity? The, the U.S.
2: general was actually asked, asked that That's yesterday right. as a and legitimate question, and he didn't rule it out.
1: Didn't rule it out because, well, we until you can say what it is, it's impossible to say what it's not. And so we had the situation, the object in Alaska, the object in Yukon, and and do you find it a coincidence that President Biden and Prime Minister Trudeau were planning a meeting in Whitehorse ahead of this? That this is where this uh, item was shot down. Just just asking the question, and then uh, Lake Huron. So that's three this weekend, and it also had people asking question about NORAD and the idea that a an American F twenty two was the fighter jet responsible for shooting down the item over Canada. There were some people that were upset about that, Loren. So we're going to dig into that a little bit and talk about NORAD and how it works.
2: Maybe you... Might be a situation of what was the closest plane. I don't know where all these planes are stationed or who gets there first, who makes that call. Was there a race between the U.S. fighter pilot and the Canadian one to be the first one to get there? Because they've never done this before. Shot down an object over. This is a a first, but I think it probably just comes down to the chain of command and the closest resources. But we are going to speak with somebody who spent years in the military, decades in the military, but also spent a lot of time with NORAD, and we'll ask him those questions just after 7.30.
0: Also, did you watch... Did you stay up, Mackling, to watch the Super Bowl?
1: I had zero intention of staying up to watch it. My plan was to go to bed. In fact, I went up to bed right after the halftime show, and I got suckered in. It was way too good of a football game. I could not turn it off. Tremendous game. The Kansas City Chiefs come out on top of the Philadelphia Eagles. They were flipping cars in parts of Philadelphia yesterday afternoon, before kickoff, <laughs> I can't imagine what's what's happened in Philadelphia overnight tonight in the uh, or last night in the aftermath of the of the of the Eagles losing.
2: Like a preemptive riot? A preemptive like we're gonna riot? We're going to do this because we're going to win, or in case we don't I, win, we I don't want to stay practicing, up too late. Is yeah. really
1: what they were doing? <laughs> it's yeah. going to be a
2: late night, so let's just get this rioting done with now, and then uh, I, I'm looking at some images now that show that there were. There was some anger on the streets in Philly last night, but pretty, pretty limited. But police were out just in case. And I watched very little of it, Brett, including the halftime show, which was the only thing I had planned to watch. And then things happened with the kids. And I came around the corner and at the TV and I thought, is this the show on? Did I miss it? And I pretty much did. And so my reaction was, meh, but that's not fair because I caught 35 seconds of it.
0: Yeah. Didn't you come in right here? And this was the last song she performed.
2: I was like, "Ooh, there'll be more. This is one of her hits. And then, yeah. it, then it wrapped, and I went to the stove, and I looked back, and I had gone to commercial, and I thought, did they normally go to commercial in the middle of a show? No, yep. I had missed it. I had missed the, pretty much the whole thing.
0: Yeah, Rihanna put it It was a good reminder of just how accomplished her career is she has so many hits. Like, there was a stretch there five, six years where she put out an album every year and always had a single on the go, and they were all big hits. And she went through, like, 15... It felt like 15 to 20 songs yesterday, which I actually am not a fan of. I, I don't like that medley style show where they try to cram in as much because you get like, you're, you know, 20 seconds, 30 seconds of a song. You just start getting into it and then they change it. I'd rather see three or four of your big songs and like do a concert as opposed to sort of a recap of your career.
1: Well, that's like your philosophy with the prizes at the social get three or four really good prizes yeah. versus 20 little prize packages. And I, I think it's tough or difficult to argue with your thoughts on that, Brett McGarry. I,
0: I, I might endorse that. It was a neat stage though. The floating, they very, like they had those diff- seven, five, six or seven different floating stages, which looked like a visual effect.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, so that was, <laughs> I would be terrified to be I mean, on one of those things. She's
2: crazy talented and she's got a great voice and there was no lip syncing there and she looks good. Baby on the way, you know, What else can
1: you say? Yeah, well, I thought maybe what we were seeing over the weekend was just the NFL moving those stages into place (laughs) versus these balloons or whatever. Oh, it's just the stages (laughs) that they're hanging from the ceiling at the stadium in Glendale. It's nothing to worry about. Well,
0: apparently not. A Vancouver man's routine furniture sale turned into a feline mystery when he discovered his beloved calico was missing. After a neighborhood search, the cat came back after a couch surfing adventure. Global's
1: Travis Prasad reports.
3: The tale begins with the sale of this couch on February 5th. And when the guys came over to um, to buy the couch, uh, Marley came into the room and crawled underneath the couch Uh, which we didn't notice.
4: The couch was loaded up and driven from Vancouver to Richmond with Marley, the three-year-old calico, tucked inside. It didn't take long for Matt Lumabi to realize his
3: feline friend was missing. So I tore my room apart and um, uh, tried to look for her, couldn't find her. He called
4: the people who bought his couch, but they hadn't seen her. So Lumabi put up missing posters and his neighbors helped look for Marley
3: for three long days sleepless nights you know like on all these forums trying to figure out what um, what to do.
4: Just when he thought she was a goner the
3: couch buyers
4: contacted Lumabi saying they sold the sofa to someone else who then discovered
3: the couch came with four extra legs. The couch has like this like um, pouch I guess where they put the legs and stuff like that for storage and um, Marley I guess found her way underneath it and um, burrowed in her burrowed in there for like three days. Up, up.
5: Good girl.
3: The couch
4: surfing kitty was immediately returned home.
6: These guys got lucky. It was a cute cat. Most of the time, it's a lizard or a snake, or in some cases, a tarantula.
4: Veterinarian Adrian Walton says cats are known to hide out when they don't feel safe and can easily go several days without food or water.
6: Because it was nervous, it would have not wanted to leave until it felt secure. There you go.
3: There you go. Oh, I'm so happy to have you home. Despite
4: a dramatic journey, Marley appears to be in good spirits, her nine lives intact, and her owner breathing easy.
3: I just couldn't get any peace of mind until she came home.
4: Travis Prasad, Global News.
2: So many great lines in that story. Four legs, four (laughs) extra legs. The cat came back. They thought it was a goner. Uh, The cat is... Reunited, and I love the way we talk to our pets the same way we do with kids. Like, good boy, good boy. Like, you get that weird voice, but you know, it reminds me I had a friend who had a brother who had a Komodo dragon and lost the Komodo dragon. Oh boy, and it ended up behind the couch in the couch, it ate its way into the couch, <laughs> and the dragon did not come back.
1: I will never, oh, for- no. I will never forget the day that the people from Petland I was uh, working at my dad's store in Unicity City right out of high school and Robert Church, I don't know if you guys remember him, he used to do some TV and he came over to let us know that one of the boas constrictors had escaped oh, its see? enclosure over the weekend. They found him very quickly, but uh was an uncomfortable uh, 6 or 7 hours. My oh.
0: Right now, we want to talk about how the US military shot down yet another flying object over North American airspace. That's the fourth in eight days.
2: Yeah, so NORAD detected this latest one in Canadian airspace yesterday before losing track of it in Montana. And then in the morning of Sunday, what is believed to be the same flying object was detected again over Michigan's Upper Peninsula. It had all of us saying, "Wait a minute! How, how many are we at here?" Because it feels like this is becoming a daily occurrence. Global's far Nassar with what happened next. In the this object case.
3: was flying at about twenty thousand feet. The U.S. determined it was a potential risk to civil aviation and shot it down. The debris is believed to be on the Canadian side of Lake Huron. In a statement, Canada's defense minister says, "Of the shootdown, we unequivocally support this action and will continue to work with the U.S. and NORAD." to protect North America. Reports say the object was shaped like an octagon with strings hanging off it, and it didn't appear to be carrying anything. When asked if this involved extraterrestrials, NORAD Commander General Glenn Van Herk said he wouldn't rule out anything. Just yesterday, the U.S. shot down a different flying object over the Yukon. Crews are now on the ground in Canada's western Arctic, searching for debris.
2: Okay, so four objects in... 12 days the first one we know came from china greg that was confirmed when that one was taken down i think it was february 4th the second third and fourth object are still unknown and so that question about is this extraterrestrial i it was asked by a journalist but i don't think it was was just a reporter thinking that i bet you there are a lot of people out there wondering what's going on
1: i agree with you 100 percent, loren farrah referenced it in her story here is U.S. General Glenn Van Herc.
5: I'll let the intel community and the uh, counterintelligence community figure that out. I haven't ruled out anything uh, at this point. We continue to assess uh, every threat or potential threat unknown that approaches North America uh, with an attempt to identify it.
1: So I respect that answer because until you can tell me what it is, you can't tell me what it's not. And so I like that answer. But, of course, there are so many questions coming out of this. Like, are these objects brand new? Did this just start in the last 8, 9, 10 days, these balloons flying over North America? And, of course, we want to know what the payload is. And then the other question I think a lot of us are, are asking is whether or not the government actually knows and they're not telling us or <laughs> a bunch of us asking, like, how do they not know? What this is. So, uh, th- this mystery is uh, far from solved. As Prime Minister Justin Trudeau explained, crews are on their way to gather what they can. There's still uh, much to know about it. That's why the analysis of
7: uh, this object is going to be very important. Um, but you can know that this is something that uh, NORAD and Canada and the United States are taking extremely seriously, and we will continue uh, to keep people informed as we know more.
0: Thomas Lawson is a former NORAD deputy commander and a former fighter jet pilot. And he says letting the objects move over North American airspace without taking immediate action isn't necessarily a bad thing. He joined Global's mercedes Stevenson on the West Block yesterday. This
3: balloon and others were allowed to sail freely in the stratosphere over top of uh, North American territory with the idea, I think, that the Chinese wouldn't know what it, it has been detected, or whoever owns these other uh, objects we're flying over. And that allows other uh, sensors, uh, CP-140s, the Aurora, uh, the U-2, uh, the Americans had up near this one, okay. uh, to actually gather Ta- uh, or intercept the signals going from the balloon up into space, satellite, and going back to China or wherever, and collect data uh, and reverse engineer.
2: Well, fascinating stuff from him, and I think it's a good point about, you know, we let, do you let them float for a bit so you can gather what you can? So, again, the, the first one that was February 4th that was taken down over Myrtle Beach, that one we know or is suspected to believe a surveillance balloon of some sort uh, through China. Then, of course, you had uh, February. Let me get my dates right here, guys. You had February... 10th, that was the one over Alaska, February 11th, the one over Yukon, and then yesterday, the one over Lake Huron. And and that one, again, shot down over an abundance of caution. It was getting concerned it would be getting in the way of aircraft, just in airspace. And it has me wondering, is there somebody out there who, like, builds these things somewhere in North America and uses them for their own research or for their own fun, and they got away from them? Or is there someone out there playing a prank? You know, is there something innocuous going on? You just don't know. But I, I couldn't help but think. My, I think my actual words to you included an expletive yesterday. But what in a, what the what did a what is going on here with these things?
1: Well, uh, we're all dying to know what's going on. So, over the next uh, several hours here, we'll have some conversations uh, to get to the bottom of not only what is NORAD, what are the protocols in terms of uh, approaching these objects, shooting them down, at what point we saw. The first balloon that you, the one that you mentioned shot off the the coast of South Carolina near Myrtle Beach travel right across the United States, and then these uh, the 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 two uh, fr- the one Friday and one Saturday weren't really allowed to, as far as we know, go too far over land in North America, and then the one yesterday over Lake Huron, that one. Closed the airspace over Montana, based on what we know, and ended up over Lake Huron in, in uh, the Great Lakes region. And obviously, the, the mystery is, is, has got a lot of people talking, Brett. I don't know where you were out and about over the last couple of days, but that's all anybody wanted to talk about. The Super Bowl and what the heck is in the sky.
0: Yeah, yeah, I was at a buddy's place on Saturday, and he brought up the balloon, and I said, "Oh yeah, I wanted to talk to you about that one." So we had a chat about that, and you know, we're sort of joking, like, "Do we need to? Is this a Red Dawn situation? (laughs) Do we need to form our own Wolverines club and get ready for you know?" Because it, it, I like your thought, Loren. This could be just somebody playing pranks or whatever. I'm just wondering
2: if there's like a like a Frosh group, uh, some sort of frat house somewhere that had a party that involved balloons and then they all escaped and they're all sitting there like, if we just stay cool and we don't tell anybody, it's going to be fine. Like Just just keep your head down. And military is going in right now to take down their frat house. I just, maybe it's just something simple.
0: On this World Radio Day, we would like to give you some tickets to see the Winnipeg Jets versus the Colorado Avalanche, Friday, February 24th. And it has to do with a story we shared in our last half hour about the cat that came back. The headline, Vancouver Cat Goes on Couch Surfing Adventure. So this guy sold his couch and his cat disappeared, his calico cat Marley. Three days later, she turned up. She had been hiding inside this little pouch underneath the couch and kind of burrowed her way into the couch and finally came out three days later and was promptly returned to uh, this man. So that just got us thinking of the weird places our pets turn up or not even not necessarily your pet. Maybe you just came home to find uh, an unwed, an unwelcome guest. Maybe there was a bird in your home or a squirrel in your shed or something. I don't know. 204 780 Like a time when my, uh, my in the, I think this was early 80s, my parents came home, and it was a bad year for forest tent caterpillars. And my apparently the whole house was covered with them, just covered with outside? them outside. Yeah,
2: in, not inside. Hopefully. Not inside. Oh, I don't know how I imagined them burrowing well, in and then. From your your light.
0: (laughs) Maybe they made their way into the home. But yeah, apparently it was so bad that my mom wouldn't even get out of the car. My dad had to get out (laughs) and hose down the house and clear a path for her so she could run (laughs) from the car (laughs) into the home. So there you go. And there's some wildlife uh, that you don't want to deal with. So two zero four seven eight zero sixty eight sixty eight. 780 you grew up on a farm. You must have something.
2: Everything. I feel like everything you could possibly reference in terms of whatever goes in a cycle, like tent caterpillars, or, you know, the poplar trees when they have that stuff that comes off, uh, kind of like cotton-type yeah. stuff. We had a really bad year for salamanders, so when it would rain, they would come out. It felt like... Earthworms, you know, they'd just be all over the road to the point where we had stairs that would lead from the garage to the basement. And you'd come right down the stairs with, you know, your school bag and then, ah, and then your pile of salamanders. Like, I'm talking a writhing, disgusting pile of black <laughs> salamanders, like dozens. What were they
6: doing in that pile?
2: I, they, all the things, <laughs> all the things that you could do as a salamander, they were doing. We had really bad year for. Garter snakes—they just—you'd come out of the front step, and they just shoot out from the bushes. So that drove us nuts, and so that's on the like the wild front. But the one of the most fun stories we had of animals not being where they're supposed to be is a phone call I got at school one day, and we didn't have cattle at the time, but we had four H steers that we were raising for four H shows for beef. Um, and my dad said, "Steers got out. You're, you and your sister need to come home right now." And it was the most fun day ever. Because he wasn't bad. Someone had let the gate open. They got out. He couldn't find them. He couldn't find them anywhere. They're just gone. Mm-hmm. And so he got up in one of his friend's planes and found them like several kilometers away just in a bush <laughs> hanging out. So then we got to borrow people's four-wheelers and we're cruising around. Like I felt like I was in Yellowstone like ranching up these cattle. And then we just skipped the whole day. Nice. Yeah.
6: Awesome. It was Incredible. awesome. Incredible. You, you were you were a cowgirl. And a someone out there
2: who's listening is, is going to say that I did nothing because we had to bring in some friends who knew a bit more. But I was on that four-wheeler, I'll tell you that much. And I was like, go bash, go bash, go bash.
0: (laughs) Ron, what about you? My sister had a cat about
6: 15 years ago. uh, (laughs) She lived in Ottawa, and she lived in an apartment, and she had this cat. And one of her neighbors moved, and somehow that cat jumped into the moving truck. And those neighbors moved three hours out (laughs) into the countryside. (laughs) So my uh, sister and her then boyfriend uh, drove three hours out into the countryside and started papering all the hydro poles with posters like... If you see Gordon, please give us a call. <laughs> and weeks went by, and nothing, Gordon. nothing, nothing. Three months later, she gets a call Come that on. somebody found this cat, uh, looking a little more feral than uh, <laughs> previously had, living the cushy life in an Ottawa high rise. But uh, they found it three three months later, and she went and got her cat back. It was
0: amazing. Wow, that's incredible. Yeah, um, was the cat okay? That was alive.
6: (laughs) Probably had some interesting stories to tell if anyone could speak cat. (laughs) Uh, Macklin, what about you? We had a cat uh, have
1: a litter of kittens and we gave away all the kittens except for one and the kitten disappeared. My stepdad had been doing some renovations around the house and we sort of feared the worst that the kitten had fallen down into the ductwork of the house. And so my stepdad, in fact, cut a a hole in the return vent, uh, looked around with the flashlight, mirror, the whole thing, expecting to find (coughs) a kitten that had expired. Uh, Never found any evidence of the the kitten dying. And about three, four, five weeks later, I came down stairs, our front door was open, our storm door uh, was closed, and there at the front door was a kitten mewing, scratching to get into the house. I opened the door, and the kitten uh, immediately went for the mama cat, started suckling, and uh, it was our kitten. How long after? Four, five weeks.
2: That's crazy. These are Hollywood, forget a dog's purpose. Both Braun and Macklin have full-on scripts here.
1: And so, in fact, the person, somebody had scooped the kitten, claimed it as its own, because a couple days later, posters started showing up around the neighborhood looking for this kitten. And so we tracked this guy down and said, "Uh, not your cat. That's our cat. Oh, no. And so uh, the but mama... But you had a cat
2: fight over the cat? No, there was no, no
1: fighting. There was, uh, it was obvious uh, what had happened here. And so the mama cat was precious. And of course, the kitten became Penner
6: named after Fred Penner. Ah, oh, that's fun. Um, point just what about you? Um, oh, there's all kinds of crazy cat stories and kittens out in the wild, but I'll, I'll tell this one story from my favorite cat when I was a kid. Uh, Paz, Pazaz, Schmaz, Schmazzers, uh, answered Solid all those. Um, and anyways, he was like Houdini. He could get out at anything. Like, we would get the house and we'd be like, where's Paz? And then he would be back out there. He would, like, find ways to sneak out um, didn't know how he was getting out. Then we'd find it, we'd close it, and then he would find some other way to get out. And he could squeeze through a tiny little spot. Um, it's incredible what cats can squeeze through. But anyway, so one time we were we were, we were were looking for Paz. We like, oh, must have got out again. And uh, so we're driving around. We're not really looking for him. I think my dad, we were going grocery shopping or something. Anyways, we were on our way to Regent. And probably five or four blocks away, and Paz was all white, a completely white cat. And there, there he is. We're driving up, and he's just sitting there, lying in the ditch, chilling in the sunshine. And he's looking up at us, and he went like, like "We like exactly." He was looking at us. He goes like,
1: "What, what?" <laughs> what just hanging you? out,
6: just chilling out. And um, yeah, Paz—he's my favorite, favorite cat ever. And that was probably my f- favorite story. He, he always came home. Always, always came home. He came in with scraps, and oh, he was. He was a wonderful cat. He had a great trajectory. Like, his, he had a great story arc. He started off as, like, kind of a, a miserable sort of little little cat. But by the end, he was the sweetest, kindest, biggest cuddler. He was he was the best. Forte, you got one?
4: Yeah. When I was a kid, there was this one time where we'd go into my parents' basement and uh, there'd just be this weird smell. And, you know, we didn't know where it was coming from. We'd look into the storage room. Maybe there's some old food in there. No, it wasn't coming from there, and, you know, like a week would go by, and we was just getting worse. The smell's getting worse and worse. So then, you know, we toucan-sammed it and followed our nose to the <laughs> fireplace, <laughs> to the fireplace where you could really smell it, and it was smelling bad. And so I guess uh, my dad opened up, it was the, the flapper, the damper, whatever it's called, and uh, falling down the chimney was a dead squirrel. Oh, no. Got into the chimney, got stuck, couldn't get out, and... Just
2: rotten in there. So.
0: Oh boy. Okay. Well, thanks for bringing us down. All these
2: great stories that just, just like the yeah, bummer just a of dead a story. story. <laughs> you are welcome.
0: <laughs> now the thermometer will hover near zero over the next couple of days, although it will cool down dramatically later this week.
2: When I say dramatic, I just mean, you know, into those teens and of course the wind is going to factor in. But I know it's been a remarkable few days uh, that we've had and, and especially in a month when we often complain enough is enough. The weekend weather with the sunshine and the sound of dripping and melting snow was glorious. I know it naturally cleared our front step, which I was happy. I didn't have to do any extra shoveling and it just made us think, ah, maybe spring is nigh. David Phillips is a senior climatologist with Environment Canada and joins us now. Good morning, David.
7: Hey, good morning, Loren. Nice to be with you and your your fellows there. And, uh, hey, you're right. I mean, last week was... um was kind of i wouldn 't say it was a gift, it was something that hey was uh, welcomed and, and usually you get that kind of bout of uh, of weather seven seven days were more melting days than freezing all freezing days, so I think that was very positive and uh, and we see yes you 're right uh, a little bit of a cool off coming uh, in the middle of the week, but with lots of sunshine associated with that. Uh, so it's been, um, you know, I, it's overall, I don't think it's been a bad winter at all. I looked at this winter compared to last winter and compared to normal, I think, every month, except December was kind of what I call near normal. But the entire winter has been, uh, temperatures have been about a degree or a degree and a half warmer than uh, than normal. I always count what, uh, That's how many... It?
2: Just a degree and a half? It feels more than I, I that, David. I would not
7: seem much, Loren, but that's really remarkable when you, uh, you know, I get excited by a tenth of a degree. So uh, a full degree is, uh, is quite good. But here's a better uh, gauge of what kind of a winter it's been. If you look at the number of cold days, we define cold days in Canada as minus 20, a day where you get minus 20 or lower. You've had 24 of those guys. Um, you know, normally you'd get about 38 by this time of the winter, and last mm. year you had 51 of those suckers with twice as much snow, and um, and so my sense is that um, Winnipeg is not done too badly this uh, this winter. There's been, as they say, uh, when you when you look at from November on, I mean there's only one month that was kind of normal. The other ones were you know a little bit above normal. So uh, my sense is you haven't been you know when you when it gets this nice you complain about some some uh, some just normal kind of weather, do you say? So, So, um, hey, I I think it's not been so bad. And uh, we still have a little ways to to go. Um, We saw last week a lot of uh, these Alberta or or Colorado lows that came through. Now, that strikes fear in in Winnipeggers' hearts. I know. They think, ooh, Alberta or Colorado. Colorado low it often means snow and rain and flood issues especially at this time of the year but these actually tracked across the northern prairies and what they did is they drew in southerly air or westerly air and so that's why the temperatures were um, were, were really melting days uh, 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 last, uh, last week. Now what we see is a little bit of uh, a playing back and forth some cold air from the north will come in for a couple of days and then really towards the end of the week we see kind of of near normal conditions. Normal at this time of the year should be a high of about minus eight to low of about minus nineteen. So that would be what you would expect for, say, the Valentine, the middle of, uh, of February. So, so we don't see that changing too much uh, after we get uh, uh, into, you know, the later part of the week. We see more seasonable temperatures. But I think the good news I always feel at this time of the year is that when you get the return, because you know you gotta expect the cold air to come back. This is not spring. This is maybe false spring that you had last uh, last week. We still think it's um, uh, there's still some some winter left in the air, but but you know. When it comes back, it's always um, not as intensely cold. And more importantly, it's not as long cold. You know, you might have, instead of a week or 10 days of cold, you might have three or four days. And then it breaks up and you get kind of the, a mild flow from the south. So my sense is the, 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 the heart of winter is broken, and clearly everything is now on the upswing. And in terms of days, guys, I mean, you're gaining three and a half minutes a day. And, and the angle of the sun, you walk out on the streets, you can feel that heat in February on mm-hmm. your um, uh, the sun on your face as you, you you couldn't in January. So I think everything is looking looking up.
1: Uh, David, I think uh, we spoke to you maybe three four weeks ago yeah. to try and get a preview of what was going to happen, and we had that extreme cold in Siberia and in China, and so it was just sort of inevitable that that was going to make its way over. To us. Can you see a little bit further in your crystal ball about what might be coming versus this two or three days here and there of, of cold weather? Has has that really cold stuff over the Arctic uh, dissipated at all? Well, you know, guys, it's still
7: there. I mean, Ricker yanks in Siberia is- minus 50 today. And so, you know, that, that can come, that can make a, a you know, a, a, an end run and, and, and come into your area. I don't, as I say, I don't think um, if it does appear, it won't be quite, it won't be as cold as that. And it won't be as long lasting. I think these long durations of, of bitter, uh, cold and terrible wind chills are, are, are really behind us. I think when you get these kind of uh, of uh, northerly flows, they, they're not the dominant flow at this time of the year. It's more westerly what we call a zonal flow from pacific or even from the south and so that's really going to to dominate the weather now you know i 'd love to tell you I've looked at the forecast this morning and they're right out of the computer and they all show, "Oh my gosh, spring is just around the corner no, not quite yet we're showing that uh, this month like this week looks fairly you know fairly mild um, next week it looks a little on the cold side, and then we're back into kind of seasonable temperatures so it's this little bit of back and forth and up and down as ping pong kind of uh, of weather that um, that is so typically at this time of the year you want it to Warm up, but it just sometimes takes its little little sweet time. One of the things that really prevents you from seeing a really really balmy kind of temperatures is the snow on the ground. You got to kind of melt that snow on the ground. Now there's 18 centimeters of snow, I think, uh, sitting on the ground in the Winnipeg area. This time last year there was 40 centimeters. So when you melt that, then those those the, then those uh, the air from the south can can really feel warm. You you really it's 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 shedding your your garment. And it really feels uh, like the 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 the, the, well, the spring is is here. It's going to be a little while before that comes. But I think the other really good news, guys, is the fact that clearly at this time of the year, there was uh, last year there was a lot of worry about the flooding. Well, we see you know the amount of precipitation you've had since october of this year compared to last year you've had um less than half of what you've had last year so my sense is that uh uh you know and we still have to see what spring brings but um right now the models seem to suggest kind of normal precipitation and normal temperatures but hey it's uh it's it's a little waiting game. You know, we've got to wait till February and into early March. You're still a month away from, uh, from the first day of spring. And we know that, uh, hey, um, spring, winter, winter weather can even go on beyond the first day of spring. I'm not suggesting that. I'm just saying there doesn't seem to be any real rapid warm-up. It tends to be um, right now kind of uh, seasonable to a little cool to a little warm, a little bit of back and forth and up and down kind of weather.
0: David Phillips, Senior Climatologist, Environment Canada. Always a pleasure, sir. Thank you so much. You're so welcome, guys. Bye-bye now. Just what is going on over North American airspace? Yeah,
2: so as we've been telling you all morning, a U.S. fighter jet shot down an unidentified object over Lake Huron on orders from the U.S. President Joe Biden yesterday. It's the fourth downing in eight days, with Prime Minister Trudeau ordering an object flying over the Yukon be taken down on Saturday. General Glenn Van Herc is the head of NORAD and U.S. Northern Command and says they're still trying to determine what the last three objects were.
5: They're similar in size, uh, similar in speeds. They go with the wind on these objects that we've seen. As far as specific shapes, we've got to get our hands on those to see uh, fidelity and detail of shape. Uh, how they get uh, airborne, do they have propulsion, all of those things are still
6: to be determined.
1: Pentagon officials believe the latest military strike in an extraordinary uh, chain of events over U.S. airspace has no peacetime precedent. Our next guest spent 37 years in the Canadian military. His last years of service saw him as the deputy commander of the Alaskan NORAD region and finally director of operations for all NORAD in Colorado Springs. We're joined now by retired Major General Scott Clancy. Major General, thank you for this.
8: Thank you very much for having me.
1: So what are the questions you've been asking over the past couple of days as to what's going on uh, above us in our skies, in our airspace?
8: Well, I I love your characterization of what is going on. I mean, I think that a lot of Canadians ask those questions now that they see the kind of activity that NORAD has to undertake in order to to counter the threats that we've seen, uh, a few things. You know, I, I think that a lot of people just don't know about what NORAD does. It doesn't just track Santa. Uh, the binational command between Canada and the United States has lots of military capability from both nations that are poised and ready to counter these types of threats. I think you're seeing the confluence though with a number of two things. First of all. NORAD has adjusted their sensor systems to, be, to, to filter less of the low-end speed items that their radar systems would not normally have tracked, and that's causing them to see more of these objects. And then secondly, I, and I don't know this, this is still presumption on my behalf, but I think there's a concerted effort by our adversaries at this point to garner more information.
2: So that would be in the form of whether it's surveillance or other, because with that first balloon, that was the belief. And now we're just working to gather information on these last three, the idea that someone's looking for data, whatever that might be.
8: So that's exactly it. And, and it's interesting. I don't think that we should look at it as, as merely a camera looking down on something. I think it's more multifaceted than that. And we're going to learn more once the recovery operations in Alaska and in the Yukon, and, and if there can be any uh, over Lake Huron, uh, are completed and we can look and analyze those those things. But think of it in terms of uh, it could they could be garnering information from radio waves, cell phone towers, uh, trying to look at pattern of life over critical infrastructure or defense assets. They could also be inside of our computer networks looking at the reactions to try and ascertain when we knew about them uh, doing these types of things. So it's multifaceted. Then lastly, and this pertains especially to the Chinese balloon, but all of them, they're gauging the political reaction, the political will, and how our political masters are reacting to this in order to perhaps gauge how that would translate into a larger crisis. Let's say something across the Taiwan Straits, or an incursion from Russia in our airspace, which happens, you know, quite regularly as well.
0: One of the questions floating around social media when it comes to the third object that was taken down over the Yukon on Saturday, why was it an American plane? Like, why not a Canadian plane when it's over Canadian airspace?
8: Yeah, that's a great question, and, and I get that a lot. Funny enough, you know, I lived there in Winnipeg from 1998 to 2002, and the Canadian NORAD region headquarters is there uh, in Winnipeg. And the Canadian general uh, that's there is responsible for that portion of the NORAD defense. So there's a division of responsibilities here and authorities. The CDS, General Air, stated it very well on Sunday. The aircraft with the best shot in the best position should take it. And, And that's the tactical decision to figure out which reaction time or which aircraft is is best there that that's a very tactical decision that that general his name is actually Ian Huddleston there in Winnipeg would be making that tactical recommendation as to which asset is best Joe Biden, the president of the United States would authorize the use of that uh, American assets in that instance but the Different authority is the sovereign authority of Canada to order that engagement. So those are two different chains, one trying to figure out what the best tactical decision to be made is, the other one, uh, the engagement. And that engagement lies along the lines of sovereign authority in each one of the nations, Canada and United States.
1: Our guest is retired Major General Scott Clancy, and uh, Major General, so there seems to be an element of of testing perhaps going on here uh, from whoever has sent these objects in our direction. the, The testing, as you mentioned, to see when were they discovered, when is something done about it. And then on the flip side, what about the value of of letting these objects uh, travel somewhat, uh, which may or may not allow, and and this is where you come in, uh, us, so to speak, to observe the meaning, the use of of these objects and what they're doing here. Uh, Shooting them down immediately, maybe not the best idea?
8: So I think that uh, NORAD headquarters considered all of that. And I think the indications we have to that are... Surrounding the first uh, balloon that was shot down over the Carolinas. The first time that really the public became aware of this is when it was over the Midwestern United States. That means that NORAD had seen, and we are aware afterwards, in the briefings from General Van Erk, the commander of NORAD, my old boss, by the way, has made it clear that they were tracking this for some time. So this is the little game of cat and mouse around intelligence and operational security. The Chinese, in this instance, for the first balloon, knew that they had the balloon in our airspace. But they did not know whether we knew and at what time we knew or with what sensors. So by tracking and monitoring it and not doing anything, you can play that cat and mouse game and we can watch their systems. And then only when a picture was taken of it by a civilian did, did this become public knowledge. So I think there is a gauge in that that protects the operational security of both nations and the military capabilities and intelligence gathering capabilities that would cue a reaction.
7: This is
2: a loaded question, and we only have about a minute left, so I apologize in advance, but you know, I had, I had said earlier this morning, maybe it's just some kid with a balloon you know, at a frat, frat house, and he let it go, and it's, it's turned out to be this big event, and it's not a big event. I joked about that, and then we talked about the idea of it being a UFO, which just means it's an unidentified object. We don't know what it is. That doesn't mean alien or other. But at the end of the day, what's your best speculation as to what might be going on here because you said cat and mouse game but it's not a game if someone is doing this sort of active surveillance if that's what's going on
8: yeah so i i don't believe uh based upon the locations the even you know the capabilities that are being alluded to by general van Derck, the pentagon uh, and minister anand the canadian minister of national defense this is not some kid in a backyard with a balloon or something else. This is a highly advanced technological capability that's using, now I say highly advanced, it's adaptive technology that might be using some sort of propulsion so that it's not merely the wind that is affecting its trajectory. Uh, you know, when I refer, when you look at the balloon that the Chinese sent, I mean, this thing was 150, 200 feet tall, and the payload was the size of a wide body jet so we're talking about a very sophisticated intelligence gathering capability
0: retired major general scott clancy joining us live on 680 cjob thank you very much for the time and the insight we really appreciate this thank you very much for having me We just spoke to the retired Major General on the balloons and the unidentified objects that are being shot down over North American airspace. And this actually turns out there's been quite a bit of chatter on this front. The crew of a Canadian North flight, for example, in late January reported unidentified lights in the sky over Yellowknife. This according to an incident report and an audio recording.
1: Yeah, so this comes uh, courtesy cabinradio.ca. The ATR 42500 charter from Fort McMurray was approaching Yellowknife when its crew, quote, reported two lights 10 nautical miles northwest of the field, end quote. A note on aviation reporting system, uh, Catter's uh, states the time of the sighting is given as 11.15pm mountain time on Sunday, January 29th. An audio recording of Yellowknife's air traffic control tower on that night captures a crew member of Canadian North Flight 5071 telling the controller, quote, we're looking at two lights dancing around here. Here's some of that exchange.
8: Tower, it's uh, Arctic 5071. Arctic 5071, Yellowknife Radio, Good evening. Even. Just wondering, do you got uh two planes that are just to the east of your field doing circuits or maneuvers? Negative. I have no reported traffic in the area. Do you have a visual or something? Yeah, you know, we're looking at two lights dancing around here that uh to the east of your field. They're above us. Uh, well I don't know what we're not seeing them on T gas, but You see the lights moving around. I don't have anything on the radar either. Let me uh, talk to Center. Project 5071, Yellowknife Radio. Hey, right. Hey, Center doesn't have anything about any movement in the area, so I'm really wondering what you're seeing there. Yeah, so are we.
2: Yeah, so are we really wondering what you're seeing there. So of course, we all see things in the sky, right? I came in this morning, there was a text from a listener saying they th- they thought maybe they saw a shooting star, but you know, more of a meteor type closer to Earth. And you're seeing a gap last night. And of course, we have these balloons that have been taken down and then other unidentified objects. I think maybe there's just a lot more going on in our skies than we even know about.
0: As we speak with members of the Canadian and U.S. military are working to recover two high-altitude objects, balloons the size of cars, were shot down over the weekend.
2: Crazy stuff, and I, I know one crew is on the ground in the Yukon looking to bring in what they can there, and I just got an alert saying another crew military from the U.S. is on their way out into Lake Huron to, to try to recover what they can there, and, and we keep asking the question, what is going on? and while we don't have the answers yet to this latest round of balloons what we're learning this morning i think greg is there's a lot more going on in our skies than many of us might be aware and that brings us to chris rikowski winnipegger researcher ufologist good morning chris good morning so are you surprised by any of this or is this more of like yep these things have been floating around for a while now and it's not all that uncommon
5: yeah i'd have to say it's certainly not uncommon in fact uh, uh, you know, despite the stigma that people have regarding the term UFO, meaning aliens, and, and it's something that, uh, you know, you'd have to be a little touched in the head to talk about, but, you know, the term UFO simply means unidentified flying object, and that that term has actually been used, you know, a little bit, and they're dancing around it uh, by the American and Canadian military, because that's what these objects are, you know, just to say that uh, you know they are ufos is just saying we have no idea what these things exactly are we have some su- suppositions but we're not entirely sure and we've had reports like these for many many years uh, all around the world and in canada especially we've had many reports uh, of very similar objects there was a uh, uh, on july of last year there was a uh, sort of a rogue balloon that was reported by a pilot over new brunswick that was reported to transport canada Uh, Traveling at about uh, 30,000 feet, Um, and we do know, and you played the recording from uh, from Yellowknife uh, from uh, January 29th, I believe, of pilots who had seen some lights over uh, over that area, and on uh, January 31st, uh, in over Cranbrook, a Canadian pilot uh, reported seeing what appears to have been the Canadian, uh, the uh, Chinese balloon that was eventually shot down over North Carolina. So, we've had reports like this, and they're reported through generally civilian organizations. Uh, The major that you had uh, on uh, just before uh, the news uh, talked about how, you know, the NORAD had been playing cat and mouse and sort of detecting these things, and they're testing each other, whatever foreign power is is testing it with the United States. And um, uh, it was a civilian that he admitted, you know, that took the photograph of the Chinese balloon that sort of set the whole. The whole thing going. And, you know, we had many civilian reports over the, the past number of years uh, over Canada, 768 cases that were reported through various agencies in 2022 alone. And it's the type of thing that uh, we've been monitoring for many, many years.
1: Chris, I, I
5: like how
1: measured responses have been, not only from the guest, you mentioned retired Major General Scott Clancy, who joined us uh, just in, in our previous hour, just before the the top of the hour news, but also U.S. General Glenn Van Herk when he was asked about, you know, could this be, in, you know, from outer space? Could this be from alien and, and uh, life forms? And he says, I'm not prepared. Until I know what it is, basically, we don't know what it is. And so the idea that they are open to any and all explanations on this is somewhat heartening to me.
5: It is. And, you know, I, I liken it to, oh, you know, if if you have me on a street corner and you, and you see somebody hit by a, a car in a hit and run accident, the car takes off and you're asked, well, you know, what happened? Well, you know that, a, a, you know, a person was hit by a car. You don't know what make of car necessarily. You may, may not have seen that. You certainly didn't see the driver, but, you know, somebody was driving. Uh, so, you know, something happened and you can't identify it exactly, but you can say something happened. And that's the same type of thing. You know, we have a, uh, these objects that are flying over Canadian and the United States airspace, and we don't know exactly what they are. We have a fairly good idea, you know, of some of the observations and the uh, the, uh, the, the sighting details. But we don't know exactly what these things are. There's no question they happened. Um, and that's why we call them UFOs. They're unidentified flying objects.
0: Now, the audio that you shared with us from late January in uh, the Yellowknife area, the the audio referred to, you know, where we can see some lights dancing about. Uh, Did they ever figure out what that was?
5: No, in fact, uh, we don't know what that was. Uh, NAV Canada uh, is a a non-governmental organization that handles that. We we suspect that they were investigating, but we don't have details from that. We've had reports... uh, uh, just over the past uh, 24 hours, from uh, people in Canada reporting uh, UFOs. There's two a day that are reported every uh, every day in, in Canada somewhere. There's a report from London, Ontario last night uh, of lights moving around in the sky, and uh, also all the way from the other side of the country uh, over BC. So, you know, this is very, very common. And, you know, 10% of the Canadian population believes they've seen UFOs. So, if you've seen something you're in pretty good company
2: that doesn't mean alien spaceship just to reinforce that one more time chris i think our head often goes to the hollywood just quickly before we let you go if if 1000 are reported every year how many of those end up being balloons or drones or other or other
5: well the vast majority of cases that are filed and, and reported do have possible explanations so stars planes planets some of the objects seen recently turn out to be the starlink satellite chains that people see in fact uh, that was uh, one was uh, set up over the weekend as well so you know there was very very few relatively but you know even if it's just a a handful here and there uh, that turn out to be uh, balloons and drones there's uh, you know enough of an interest to suggest we should be studying this a little bit more.
0: Chris Chris Rodkowski is a researcher and ufologist joining us live on 680 CJOB. Chris always a pleasure thank you for joining us. Thank you. It was a busy weekend in sports. Let's welcome a more than familiar voice to the start. Bob
1: Irving returns from a self-imposed all-star break. Welcome back, Bob.
0: (laughs) It's good to be back, and you can guess what I was doing yesterday.
1: I think we can, and I will probably broach that uh, subject, uh, and probably both subjects, but I have to ask you, ever had a squirrel or other animal steal your muffin at Clear Lake Golf and Country Club? I know you've golfed there a few times, Bob.
9: I've seen bears running around there, though, while we're playing golf. And uh, if you're walking, it's not a good thing. You, you better have a golf cart just in case those <laughs> bears decide they want to come and say, oh, so a squirrel never stole my muffin. But uh, I have seen wildlife on the, by the way, that course at uh, was or Clear Lake is spectacular. So, yeah, there's lots of uh, lots of reasons to play golf there. And I'm, I'm sure, Brett, you've played there.
0: I still haven't actually. This uh, we're hoping it, we're hoping to head out there this some uh, this summer. There are four of us going out. None of us have played it. So yeah, we're we're pumped pumped to check it. out Clear Lake. Yeah, you'll love it.
1: Well, I loved the Super Bowl last night. I'm not used to always saying that, Bob. I thought it was a terrific game. Comes down to a field goal, but a couple of very CFL-like elements in the game last night, including short yardage gambles that we don't always see in the NFL, and a punt return as one of the critical plays of the game. If you can imagine, 57 Super Bowls now, there's never been a punt return for a touchdown. What were your impressions of Super Bowl 57 as the Kansas City Chiefs come out on top?
9: Well, it was a terrific game. It really was one of the better ones you'll ever see. There were two, I think, key plays. Greg, you allude to them. One of of them was the 65-yard punt return by Kadarius Toney in the fourth quarter for Kansas City. The other was a fumble recovery for a touchdown by Kansas City in the second quarter. So those two plays really were big for the Chiefs as they won the Super Bowl. And then, you know, you can't talk about the game without talking about Kansas City quarterback Patrick Mahomes, who led the game-winning 14-play, 62-yard drive, playing on a high ankle sprain. He got hurt late in the second quarter and was in an extreme amount of pain. And you're thinking, my, if he doesn't come back and play, the Chiefs are cooked. So he comes out in the second half like nothing ever happened. Uh, He threw three touchdown passes. He ran for 44 yards, including a big run in the game-winning drive. Uh, So his legacy continues to grow as one of the all-time great quarterbacks ever, and he's only 27 years old. Philadelphia's quarterback, Jalen Hurts, another young player, was very good as well. 300 yards passing, he rushed for 70 yards, scored three touchdowns. Philadelphia had an edge in many areas of the game. Time of possession First downs, total yards, but those two plays I talked about, the turnover that uh, gave Kansas City a touchdown and the big punt return, were really, I think, the difference in the game. And then there was a penalty call late in the game that will be discussed for a long time where James Bradbury of the Eagles was called for defensive holding. He grabbed the jersey of a Kansas City receiver, and you could clearly see it. He only held it for maybe a split second, but he clearly grabbed the jersey, and the officials called it. I know the color commentator on Fox said he wished they would have let that one go. Mm -hmm. But when is a penalty a penalty, and when is it not a penalty? And that's the debate that will rage on. But it was a fabulous game. The halftime show was fantastic, as they always are. Nobody does spectacle and hype like the National Football League. There's no league in the world that does it as well as they do it, and they did it in spades last night.
2: Okay, so we just had a week off and change from... NHL, The Winnipeg Jets coming back from their break, beating Chicago 4-1 Saturday. We had three points from Blake Wheeler. Uh, you know that there might be some who'd argue that long of a stretch would make it difficult for them to come in as they did on Saturday. What do you expect from them now in the days and weeks ahead, Bob, after this break?
9: Well, they got off to a slow start in that game, Loren. They were outshot in the first period, but they came on as you knew they would. They were a little bit rusty, and they beat Chicago. Again, they had to win. You can't play a team that's as low on the standings as Chicago is and not win that game if you're serious about making the playoffs. So it was a good return from the All-Star break. They have 29 games left in the 82-game season. They're second in the Central Division, but here's how tenuous this is. They're seven points ahead of Colorado in the division, but they're only seven points clear of the final wild-card spot. So the the Jets are far from home and cooled out. Uh, It's going to be a fight to the end here to make the playoffs, but I like their chances. You know, they've They've played consistently all season long. I know they went through a dry spell before the All-Star break, uh, probably the toughest uh, part of their season in terms of the outcomes of the games. But they looked good against Chicago the other night. They get Seattle here tomorrow night, and then they go on a four-game road trip. So it's going to carry on right to the end of the season, I think, in terms of whether or not they'll hang on and make the playoffs. They're in a good position right now. And I do like their chances. I really do. I think they're going to make it, but uh, they're going to have to play above 500 hockey, I think, to to get into the playoffs. They're perfectly capable of doing that, and I don't see any reason why they won't. But it's going to be fun to watch this final stretch and see how it all unfolds.
0: Now, the Canadian PGA contingent was on full display throughout the four rounds of the Waste Management Phoenix Open. In fact, four Canadians made the cut yeah. with Winnipeg-born Nick Taylor in the conversation for first place, like basically right through the 16th hole of the final round. So yeah. uh, not a bad payday for Taylor, the largest of his PGA career, $2.18 million U.S. Right. Should more PGA tournaments embrace the uh, the raucous atmosphere like the one in Phoenix?
9: Well, yeah, I think so. It was fantastic. This tournament in Phoenix, for those who aren't great golf watchers, it's called the Waste Management Phoenix Open, and they have this uh, sort of coliseum set up on the 16th hole where there there's stands surrounding the, the hole. It's a par three, and the fans get there early, and, of course, they order their beverages, and they, and then they boo when players hit bad shots, and they cheer if they hit good shots, and it's a, it's a spectacle unlike anything in golf. And I think it's great. You know, those of us who are golf fans love it because it's so unique, and I think the players do too. Uh, you know, and they they throw their beer on the course if their good shot is made, and people run out and pick up the empty beer cups and all the rest of it. So, yeah, and they, they draw in the four-day tournament, they draw over 200,000 fans. So it's fantastic in terms of – you know, it being a, a spectacle. And look, Nick Taylor It was funny to, to me. He was born in Winnipeg, but he moved to B.C. is an infant and grew up in Abbotsford. So we can lay claim to him, but I don't think it's a legitimate claim because he didn't learn his golf.
0: Hey, history. on the PGA yesterday, on their coverage, they said <laughs> shout-out to Winnipeg. It was right there in the player bio, hometown Winnipeg. Yeah, yeah, so okay. I'm going with that.
9: So we're claiming him. Okay, great. <laughs> Here's what I liked about that, though. When they said that, Jim Nance said that, then they started talking about George Newton. Who is a, or was a Winnipegger? He grew up playing golf here at St. Charles. He won eight times on the PGA Tour and was often called by Jack Nicholson, Arnold Palmer, and others. They called George Knudsen one of the best ball strikers in the history of the game. Now that's high praise. George's shortcoming was his putting it wasn't great but he still won eight times on the pga tour passed away at a very young age from cancer but that's what i like best about it is george newton is a legitimate winnipegger he learned to play his golf here in winnipeg nick taylor is he was born here but he grew up in bc and learned to play his golf there. and it was cool to hear them talk about it and taylor hung in there right till the end against scotty scheffler who won the tournament and as you say uh Brad, he is the payday and these accelerated PGA Tour events where the purses have gone way up this year. The purse here was $20 million. He won two point one eight. Adam Hadwin finished uh, nine shots back and won $488,000. So the money that our Canadian friends, and Corey Connors was way down the list, but he still won forty-eight grand. Nice. So it was, and, and Taylor Pendrith was another Canadian who won $45,000, and he was almost at the bottom of the leaderboard. So it was a good weekend for Canadians in terms of filling their bank accounts
1: yeah and lots of canadians visiting as well bob we got to let you run here but uh thanks for your time we'll uh, maybe catch up with you tomorrow or wednesday if we get a chance to talk about blue bomber free agency cfl free agency tomorrow thanks for your time my friend talk to okay, you. Soon. you
9: guys have a great day
0: At one point, UFOs, unidentified flying objects, and Craig Wing. And Greg, with some interesting feedback on that front.
1: Craig insists this is a true story. About nine years ago, we were fishing near Gimli on Lake Winnipeg. We were about four kilometers out on the lake. We noticed what we decided was a weather balloon going north. Did not think much of it. About two hours later, we saw two F 18s being refueled over the lake. Craig says, makes you wonder and has me wondering. And I have to imagine more of our listeners must have what the heck was going on experiences like Craig. Share them with us, 204-780-6868.
2: Or maybe you could let us know if you actually have any concern about what's happening. Because for me, when I hear that there's nothing too frightening with these balloons and that by a mean, you know, there's not weapons on them and there's not cameras per se, but they are gathering data of some sort. It makes you wonder what's going on. And on the opposite end, Brett, it also makes you think, well, are we doing the same thing in reverse? Like other countries watching us? How are we watching them? Are the skies just littered way up there with all sorts of balloons that I'm not even aware of? You know, like it's all it's the things that you look up and think, what a pretty sky. Well, what's in that sky the same way? Some people have that fear of the ocean, the unknown. The sky is that vast place, lots of places to hide. You think it'd be obvious, but clearly it's not. If there's thousands of these things being observed all over the world yearly
0: so far we have 35 percent who say maybe a little bit maybe a little concerned 31 percent say more curious than concerned 29 percent ask yes is war coming and six percent say no not concerned at all so you can cast your vote at cjob.com and we spoke with a retired major general at seven thirty-five, and didn't he say like uh the only reason why this became public is because a civilian took a picture of that first balloon So had nobody said that, that picture not been taken, would we have even found out about it?
1: Well, think about some of the different meteorites that we've uh, had reports of over the years. But then now with the advent of doorbell cameras, dash cams, all the other cameras everywhere now. And that's just in the last decade, maybe 15 years on the outside. Of this now, all these things that were whispered about or talked about or eyewitness accounts we actually have video or still photos of these things things that we didn't have images of at least as regularly as we do now because there are just there's cameras there are cameras literally everywhere right now
2: he also did add that you know as, as much as it's not something that's armed, it's still something we need to be very mindful of because he said this is not a prank. I had joked at six thirty maybe it's just some kid. We had this like observation balloon he built for his year one astronomy class or some sort of frosh group week thing or frat house being dumb, and he's like, this is not a prank. This is not some kid who built an arts and craft project and it went out into the sky. Something more is going on, and I guess we'll wait to see what's out.
0: Okay, so it certainly is fascinating, if nothing else. It's been a really compelling mystery, so hopefully we will learn more about just what the heck is going on up there. Also a reminder that we are asking you about animals... What is that?
2: My <laughs> iPhone, like find my iPhone alerts going off. But wouldn't I have had to done that? Or had <laughs> it's going to- off
0: on your phone. Somebody's that-
1: looking for you, Loren. Someone's <laughs> See, tracking we just talked you. about these balloons,
2: people. <laughs> uh-huh. Kidding! Uh-huh. I am not serious about that, but I don't even know if I've ever known how to activate that. I'll just turn the volume down. Sorry, Brett. That was not me just hitting the wrong button. It just did that... Well, someone's doing that.
0: Well, I heard this sound and then I looked at Loren and she had this uh, this look of concern and I thought, oh my goodness, that, that is not an alert I'd ever heard before. That's a so. feed
2: Loren alert. <laughs> when that goes <laughs> off, you need to give me food stat.
0: <laughs> well, and we thank Boston Pizza for Absolutely. dropping off the heart-shaped pizzas. <laughs> um, but we're asking you for a chance to win some Winnipeg Jets tickets to take on the Colorado Avalanche on Friday, February 24th. About Weird Places Your Pets have turned up. This was inspired by the story of a Vancouver guy who sold his couch, and then his cat disappeared turned up three laters because it turns out the cat had crawled into this little pouch on the bottom of the couch and stayed there for three days as this couch relocated. And, um, yeah, so your pets sometimes turn up in weird spots or maybe you had say an unwelcome guest in the form of uh, someone else's pet or some random animal and, uh, Brett and St. Patel helping reset this for us.
2: Couldn't find our cat recently. We had all just seen her in the kitchen. I heard her meowing and looked at her usual hiding spots. No luck. Then I heard a scratching noise, followed it. Voila, found her. She had climbed into the dryer as I emptied it <laughs> and closed the door without knowing. Fortunately, I didn't start the dryer. And Brett and St. Vitale oh, goes boy. on to say, I should add that when she was really small, she would fit. She would lift the heat vents off the floor and then would explore the vent system in the house. That's impressive. <laughs>
1: <laughs> when I was telling the story about uh, our kitten Penner that disappeared, that's exactly what we thought had happened, that she'd found her way into the duct work in the house. Uh, but uh, nope, she'd just gotten out. Somebody else claimed her, and six weeks or so later, she came back to us.
2: Moose is the exact same color as our couch, and it's embarrassing to say how often I'll be like, where's the dog? And he's just laying on the couch, which he's not supposed to do. But, of course, we let that rule slide. And you can't right see him. There. He's just right there. <laughs> or I put – all he loves car rides. So if I even just run to the store, he jumps in the back of the car. And you get home. And because he's dark and the seats are dark, it, and he, if he doesn't make any noise, if he's just happily laying there, you go yeah. in the house. And then 20 minutes later, I'm like, oh, my gosh. Twi- Bruce, 20 ma-.
1: minutes? That's a short amount of time. Well, usually
2: I come out and he's just happily – Laying there, staring out the window, watching the world go by. Mm. I know you've maybe had a little a longer little than 20 years. Yeah,
1: the whiskey spent in the back seat of the car, silently waiting for his dad to come back. <laughs> Came back and got, I was four or five hours later. Looked at me like, Where the hell have you been, dude? <laughs> I've been sitting here waiting for you. I think I sent, sent you guys a picture of my cat in the dryer.
0: Yes. From the other day. <laughs> So what happened? You opened the dryer, and the yeah. cat decided to jump in? Yeah,
1: yeah. turned my back, went to do another thing. I'm like,
0: what's going on here? And I could hear her, and then there she was. There is something weird about cats wanting to jump in on clothes, in Warm. clothes. Yeah, the, war- the warmth of that. They like to sit on uh, luggage, or they'll crawl in. Like, I saw a thing on Instagram the other day of a cat that decided a good place for it to sit would be inside a KFC bucket, like an empty bucket of chicken, but it, it looked like a muffin. Top because it wasn't big enough to fit into this thing, (laughs) so it crawled in and then it it sat down, and all the rest of its weight just sort of spilled out over the side. But it looked perfectly content to be there, so cats are weird. Where are the weird places that your pet? has turned up like this Vancouver cat that was hiding inside a couch for three days, a couch that was sold to somebody else. And it's also added to the conversation of weird encounters or perhaps unwelcome guests that are in the form of other people's pets or just other animals. Like this listener says, this happened to my brother. He was working up north. He was planning to bear hunt up there while he was working. Before he went into work for the day, he loaded bear bait into his car and then went into work. I guess while he was working, the bears could not wait for him to put out his bait, and when he came back to his car, a bear had gotten into the car, helped himself to the goodies, and completely destroyed the inside of his vehicle.
1: Mm, Lesson learned there. I wonder
0: if the insurance would
2: cover that. I wouldn't think so. Uh,
1: My buddy says, uh, my buddy works in the insurance industry says, we don't cover fraud, but we do cover stupidity for the most part.
2: (laughs) So, you're I would say the answer is no because is that not akin to leaving your keys in the car? Do you get covered for that if your car is stolen?
1: Yeah, as long as you haven't hired the guy to steal it, uh, so that your car disappears.
2: Yeah, well, you put bear bait in your car, and then a bear tore your car apart. Yeah, well, you, you didn't know you weren't supposed to. You didn't know to a bear that. was going to come.
1: i uh, just saying. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> I'm just telling you what my buddy says. We, we, we cover stupidity. We don't cover fraud.
2: Got it.
0: Bruce with another bear story says, when I was 10, my family took a vacation at Banff. We saw a bear on the side of the road. My mom wanted to stop and take a picture. Well, she got out of the car and this bear charges her. Oh boy. I jumped out of the car and, <laughs> and threw my sandwich at this bear. <laughs> he was distracted enough by the baloney that my mom was able to make it back to the car.
1: So you can never say uh, that your mom's full of
0: baloney
2: ever
0: <laughs> <Yeah. again>. <laughs> 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 Uh Preston, with uh, a cute one here, lorena on, I love on uh, this. Wel- a welcoming committee.
2: So Preston says the weirdest place I found a pet. Well, it wasn't my pet, but someone else's. I'm a real estate appraiser. One day, a couple of years ago, I went to an acreage. I drove into the yard and was greeted at the door by a cow. I found out later it was their pet cow that didn't like staying in the pen with the other cows. It has been one of the most unique welcomes I have received. I have so many questions about that. Yeah? Well, a cow's big. Like the pet pig thing I get, right? It can be a couple, maybe a foot and a half high and two or three feet long. Like, are we talking a full on cow or maybe the cow just hung out in the porch?
1: There's a picture. What?
2: Yeah, Preston sent a picture. I'm more picturing the half door, you know, where the cow could hang its head <laughs> over the door and like
1: the Dutch door. Yeah. Yeah. You've had <laughs> you've had cow in your. Had, we had a cow in our house once. Yes, uh, my but, baby sister thought it would would look cute to put the calf in the kitchen and then took a picture and then, and then put it back outside. It did
2: live there though. We had we'd bring in calves like after they were born if they were struggling or perhaps their mom was struggling to nurse them and you would need to help them through and you'd wake up in the morning there'd be a Maybe a calf in, or a calf in your porch, but not a cow living there. I can't find this photo, so I will look at it and report back.
0: Yeah, it's pretty big. It's uh, it's Been more than halfway over. up the uh, the size of the of the door. But Mackling, Billy Bob Bison is our winner. What has Billy Bob got for us?
1: Billy Bob says, I woke up one morning and heard a light scratching sound in our wood stove chimney. I had to head off to work. My two teenage kids were at home. Still sleeping. Before I left, I opened the wood stove door hoping the bird would fly out. My kids would let it out of the house. I got a call at work later in the morning. And when I answered, all I heard was... Apparently, the bird was not a bird. It was a bat. And when my kids woke up, the bat was sitting on the edge of the dog's water bowl <laughs> having a drink. He opened up our front back uh, front and back doors. Bat eventually flew out. We were living in Lundar at the time, just north of Winnipeg. So, Billy Bob Bat. I missed that detail earlier when I saw this thing. Just casually hanging out, having a drink.
2: <laughs> Imagine seeing that. No. I think bats are scary. I would not want to see bats. bats end up in my nightmares like once a year. Yeah, in my hair. Man. I don't know what that symbolizes, but they're flattened in my hair and they're stuck. Oh! And twice there's been a person in my life who I think likes me, doesn't help get the bat out of my hair. <laughs> What's that about?
0: Billy Bob Bison, you're going to see the Jets and the Avalanche on February 24th. <laughs> the date is February 13th, Monday. Tomorrow is Tuesday, February 14th which is Valentine's Day. And for some of you, maybe it's an opportunity for you to say, okay, the calendar has given us this date. We are going to make some time in our busy lives for each other. Uh, maybe you're like me and you're single and you got nothing to do. Do you really care? I don't. I'm kind of happy I don't have to spend the money. Less pressure for sure, right? Yeah, that's right. Because depending on the situation... You could be in one of those relationships where that person says, oh, no, you don't have to get me anything. <laughs> that that just feels like a trap to me.
2: It is. As a person who <laughs> says that, it is. I do mean it. I really do mean it. I don't want anything. I particularly don't want anything right now. And, you know, we're spending so much stuff with activities and kids and all sorts of things. And I'd rather go on a trip or save to travel. But then on the other hand, I would like one small thing, like at least the card or... He is very good at, excellent at flowers and chips randomly throughout the year. Like he'll bring home, I thought of you. Did you say used,
1: flowers and chips? Yes,
2: yeah, like, and it's the best. <laughs> it's a beautiful bouquet and it doesn't happen always on Valentine's Day. It'll just be random. It'll be flowers and a bag of salt and vinegar lace. And I'm like, oh, I love you too. <laughs> is there a bottle of wine with that Sometimes, as well? but I don't even care. Like I just, it's the, it's the thought that he was yeah. thinking he was out doing something. And so that doesn't need to land on Valentine's Day for me, but I am, I'm not awesome at, 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 I'm admitting to it, but I'm trying to be the person that doesn't want anything. And yet you do want, I something. do want something like I don't need like a big piece of jewelry or something like that.
0: Do you get him stuff?
2: No, <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. no I always do something small, always like something for the kids to wake up to. You know, I'm gonna make a heart shaped thing out of suckers or there'll be a cake and then there'll be some sort of treat that he likes. There's always some sort of treat. Yeah. So I just mean the thought.
1: So that's the gift is that he uh, thought of something. Well, the gift from you to him is the fact that he didn't have to think about anything for the kids. You took care of that.
2: And I do part and he of does it. get something. There's never anything big. We we on Valentine's Day, I don't remember the last time we did something big. Well, do you I, do big on
1: Valentine's Day? No, no, no. <laughs> No, and it's funny because it is the anniversary of our first date, so um, it maybe should be a bigger deal than it is. But uh, no, it's you
2: peaked on day one. How can you make it any better? You found the love of your life that. on date one you go, you on see? Valentine's Day. You can't see? top that. No, no.
1: So you just <laughs> carry on, right? Eighteen or 19. i I've lost track of how many years ago it was. But that whole trap <laughs> of <laughs> I don't want anything. I, I knew it was a. I knew it was bogus. Because uh, I really
2: mean not the big thing, though. Because I do get mad when
1: about the, no, 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 no. I do
2: get mad when a lot si- of money is spent because I Here's don't want a, that either.
1: Here is a point where size doesn't matter. It's a whole <laughs> idea that you are suggesting you don't want anything zero to
2: anything.
1: And oh the no, I laid is, out
2: the parameters. Y- y- pardon me. I laid out the parameters. I don't want anything major. No, doc, doc, doc. no, no. Majors, majors in
1: parentheses, and it's unspoken. Tell me it's not.
2: I don't want anything major.
1: No, but you want something.
2: <laughs> yeah, I've made that clear. Do you
1: want anything for, did, like, should no, I get No, don't you get me
2: anything. That's understood to be, like, anything major.
1: Exactly. There's a hidden message always instead of a direct message. Of maybe maybe the, the answer would be, like, uh, okay, here's an example. You go up to, <laughs> like, you know, go back to my serving days. You go up to a table and you go, you know, can I offer you a glass of wine or a cold beer or... Uh, no, I don't want anything to drink. Just a glass of water. Well, what are you going to do with the water? Are you, are you like, are you taking it in through osmosis? Or are you going to dump it on your head? No, you're going to consume it. You're going to drink it. It's a drink. So just say what you want. It's be so much easier, Loren.
2: I'm not petty about it, though. It's not like I'm trying to find a video of uh, a I'm modern I'm not suggesting family. you're laying a
1: trap. No, no, I'm like, just suggesting that, you know.
2: You know, a modern family, Cam and Mitchell, it's their anniversary. And... He, how's it go? He's, they're laying in bed and it's 11.59 and Mitchell says, okay, well, good night, Cam. And he goes, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Three, two, one. <sighs> you forgot my anniversary because it's now the next day and he, <laughs> he's that petty that he wants to be able to say, like, you legit forgot our anniversary. It's not
1: like that. Yeah, no, I get it. And the whole idea of no gifts, uh, my uh, in-laws are celebrating a very major anniversary coming up next month. And on their invitation, they said, no gifts, please. And I'm like, why'd you put that on there? Because the people who are going to bring you a gift anyway are going to ignore no "No gifts, please.
2: But maybe they mean it.
1: Well, they do mean it. They absolutely do, do mean it. I would never put that on an invitation to a party at my house. Because you're welcome to bring whatever you want. (laughs) Bigger the
0: better. I'm just kidding. But something is nice. I don't mind something. I'm just honest about it. I remember I dated somebody once who explicitly, and I like buying flowers. I love buying flowers. Uh, But I was explicitly instructed, do not ever buy me flowers Mm -hmm. because I can't have flowers in my home because my cats will destroy them. There Mm -hmm. you go. So that's a... Fairly logical. So mm-hmm. what she said, I like flowers, but I just, I can't have them because my cats will, will annihilate them. And so I never did. I, I would buy her other things. Was there any sense,
1: though, she was going around and bad-mouthing you, you know what? Brett never buys me flowers.
0: Maybe, because she told me late in the relationship, you never buy me flowers.
2: Like, well, you told me not. No, see, that's not you fair. You told me not that's to. That's not fair. That's, that's, an a that's, that's, a, that's a trap. That's a
0: trap. Well, she's not, that's not good of her. No. <laughs> no. So, and it won. it just made me sad because I'd lost a couple of years of potential flower buying opportunities. I really enjoy getting going to the, the flower shop and buying, you know, the, putting together a bouquet because I don't just like to walk in and say, I'd like a dozen roses, please. I'd like to look around nice. and see what they've got and ask them if they can put something together.
2: You miss like also the post flower giving coitus. <laughs> Is that a thing? Sure. It's supposed
0: to be. Or I mean that's
1: P- the hope.
2: PfGC, the old post flower giving coitus.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, that too. It's you know, I've been single now. I'm coming up three and a half years. And uh,
2: oh, you're a post-post flower giving. Yeah, yeah.
0: But I, I don't know. It's it's weird. Part of me doesn't care that I'm single, and I think maybe it's because part of me is not interested in the Effort and the the changing landscape of dating. I've done the dating apps. I don't mind them, but it's a lot of it's it's a lot of work and and it's it, it's a confusing space. And I know Lauren, you have friends who are on the dating apps who are also trying to make heads or tails of how to navigate those things.
2: Yeah, right? I'd love to hear from people seven eight zero sixty eight sixty eight because on our show tomorrow, I'm hoping to get more into this. We're hoping to get more into this. I put some asks out to some of the different apps. Uh, you know what are the dating trends because i get that it's hard out there and you could it was hard in the 1940s probably it's hard now but the whole idea of getting out and meeting someone really changed in the pandemic so that changed the way you did it online dating has been around for a long time but you have these apps and so i was of the misconception in talking to friends that there was an app for everything so not just an app if you want to date but like i'm i i just want to have a hookup that's your app I just want to go for coffee and have a conversation. That's the app. I just want to meet uh, a blonde who's seven feet tall, who likes <laughs> aliens and cats and yeah. hates flowers. And there's an app for that. I just assumed there was a far more specific ability to connect. Yeah. And it turns out, from what I'm hearing, that I'm wrong. Like, it's still not, not that there's that trap, but, you know, someone will text and say, come on over. And they'll say, no, thank you. Like, I haven't met you yet. Well, I thought you didn't want a relationship. Well, I, just because I don't want a relationship doesn't mean I want to just jump, running over to your house.
1: Hook up randomly, like with five minutes notice. Right, notice. like, yeah. I mean,
2: that's there's different things. And so I, I just thought it would be a much more organized space.
1: Well, when you think back to the personal ads way back, in the, in the newspaper days when people would take out personal ads, single white female seeks a long-term relationship or short-term relationship or compa- single white male, can you know, looking for companionship. Uh, things used to be pretty clearly laid out in those ads, uh, at least based on the way they've been portrayed in the, in the movies over the years. I never went down that road. I was sort of in the in-between. So the, the online dating thing absolutely fascinates me. I think it's incredible, but I also know from some of my friends who have kids, and now my kids are in that age group, but uh, kids that are in their late teens, early 20s, how many uh, steps are being skipped with regards to getting to know, like that whole idea of texting, texting. And the ability to say things that you would never say face-to-face, kids are really jumping into it early, like asking for pictures of certain body parts and sending them early and 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 just no chance for the, the relationship to to develop. And that's that's a, no, a big concern for a lot of parent friends of mine is just how quickly things go because of the anonymity of it all.
2: Right, and then you have to have all those kinds of conversations. And another thing I'm curious about, Brett, I'm not saying uh, I'm great relationships were started at the school dance, but you had the dance. Did you just bang your knee really hard? Yeah. What just happened? I looked over and he's just grimacing. Sorry. Just completely <laughs> Sorry. distracted me. He's a tall man. He got caught under the table, <laughs> but like, do schools even do the dances or the different social events that would have you connect the
6: sock hops uh,
1: pre pandemic? Yeah, okay. for sure. I just,
2: I get that it paused for yes. pandemic. like our kids school has, has them, but in our area, we're kind of the anomaly. So I was wondering, you know, just for the idea of having to ask someone, to have to communicate face-to-face, oh, to say, would point. you dance with me? Like, all all the things that make you into a good communicator start in you, person, not necessarily you on your phone. No, you ask. You go ask you her. You go ask. Go tell her I like her. Go go talk to her
1: friend. Ask her a friend if she'll <laughs> dance with me.
0: <laughs> well, and I think that's that's one of the, the good things about some of these apps is it it could, for somebody who is too shy to sure. walk up to somebody and ask them out, it could give them that in- To start that conversation via text, but then the danger of that is that all of your communication henceforth is via text. So by the time you actually see this person in person, you've already talked about your whole day and And, you've got nothing to talk about. And
2: also, I, I don't know about you, but I have found in friendships that, you know, when you're meeting somebody, they can be far different in text than real life, you're like, oh, this person's so funny. And then you meet them you're like, oh, you're funny because you had time to be funny or (laughs) you're smart because you had time to quickly Google that. And, you know, then you discover that they're a different person and they probably think the same, you know, in reverse.
1: Look up Chris Rocks, uh, one of his latest uh, routines and his bit on the whole idea that when my mom and dad... When my dad went to work, that was the only contact my dad, his dad had with his, his mom was in the morning when he left and when, when he walked in the door in the evening. And now it's like, so how was your day? It's like, what do you mean how was my day? I've texted you 97 times. We've had three phone conversations and I've been updating and watching your social media. I know exactly what you did today.